we're live and um first of all you know i was just thinking i i've heard so many of my own podcasts and i start them all that way i gotta do something different it's like all right we're live so uh but we are and i've got amy irick the development manager with second stride with us today and uh first i just want to thank you for taking the time to do this sure yeah i'm happy to do it okay so we're just going to go through probably a little bit about you personally a little bit about the company and then try to get to where we just spend some time talking about um, how you guys go about, you know, building your brand specifically with, mm-hmm. you know, branded clothing, promotional items, things that we do, but also, you know, beyond that, just, you know, to try to help us mm-hmm. understand the organization better. So I guess um, first and foremost, will you just tell me a little bit about, you know, where you grew up and went to school, your family, just tell me about you. Sure, sure. Yeah. So thanks, Landon, for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation. And yeah, I mean, I will tell you, I'm a ri- very originally from Cincinnati, but only lived there until I was about 11. Um, my family relocated to Japan, actually. So I went to an interna- international school in, for middle school and high school, um, came back to the States for college, ended up at Duke University in North Carolina, which, by the way, I don't broadcast now that I live in Kentucky. <laughs> That's a sore spot down here. Yeah. I, I, I try to keep that under wraps. Usually. That's what we, um, we had a guy come to a workout group. We give them special names. It's a group called F3. And the guy was like a, it's something, he was a big UK fan. And I said, I just joked and I said, we should call him Leitner. And everybody around the circle was like, it's too soon. Right. Right. <laughs> it's two decades <laughs> later and still too soon. So, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, my husband and I um, have, have two kids, two girls, and, you know, we've, we've lived all over the country. Um, prior to moving to Kentucky, when we moved here in 2015, we were in the D.C. area for quite a while. So that is kind of, you know, what we consider maybe home, I guess. But um, like I said, we came to Kentucky in 2015 and have loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, Louisville is a phenomenal city. It's been, it's been awesome for our family. Um, and that's where my interest in horses <laughs> got started. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about Second Stride and what we do, but um, that's that's kind of how I first got introduced to the horse world. What month did you move here in 2015? In uh, July. No, so I literally moved here. I, well, I moved here in July of 2013, but I started my company May of 2015. Oh, so is it was that like, right? Okay. Yeah, I started the business uh, very shortly after or before you moved here. Got it. Okay. So, what does your husband do for a living? Uh, so uh, up until actually just a couple of weeks ago, um, he was with Humana. And that's, okay. what, that's what brought us here. He's a gotcha. healthcare industry guy. Um, yeah. He recently left there and is now with um, kind of a new healthcare company um, that's actually based in North Carolina. Although gotcha. <laughs> for what that's worth, but yeah. um, healthcare guy. Good. All right. And how old are your girls? They are um, hard to say it. I mean, they are 11 and 13 now. So, and they have also gotten, especially our older one has gotten way into horses. Um, yep. <laughs> so this has been kind of living in Kentucky, grow, getting to grow up here has been kind of a dream come true for her. So I hate to admit this, or I'm like almost embarrassed to admit it, but like almost, I mean, I wrote down like six things I had no idea about you, like mm-hmm. that I'm from Ohio. So you grew up in Cincinnati. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, my hometown's not far from where you at least grew mm-hmm. up until you were 11. No idea about Japan. No <laughs> idea about Duke, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I've got three daughters. 13, 10, and four. So I've got two that are right wow. around and uh, right. I'm getting ready. Yeah. So I've got uh, my, my four-year-old be five next week. Oh my gosh. And, um, and so like next year, it, and to your point about them growing up so fast, next year is yeah. a huge year for us because 
my youngest starts kindergarten, my middle daughter starts middle school, and my oldest goes to high school. And we're all out in Oldham County, so okay. to be sort of a, uh, let's see, Camden Station Elementary, East Oldham Middle, and South High. Wow. So That's a lot, a lot going, going on. on. <laughs> yeah. Where do your girls go to school? They go, our older one who will be starting high school next year, um, it goes to Louisville Collegiate. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And our younger one goes to the DePaul School. Gotcha. All right. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys are busy and mm-hmm. you got your hands full. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, how long have you been with Second Stride? I've been with Second Stride a little under two years um, as an employee. I was a volunteer, actually, um, prior to starting to work um, for them. So, you know, like I said, kind of my eyes were open to the horse world when we moved um, moved to Kentucky. And it was suddenly like, oh, my gosh, it's such a part of the culture here. Um and so accessible in a way that yeah. you know horses are not <laughs> in so many parts of the country. Um, so I got interested, you know, started started riding myself a little bit. Um, you know, my my girls started riding, and um, when I learned about Second Stride and, and our work, um, started wanted to volunteer for them. And so I was just kind of helping the executive director with whatever I could. And then um, she ended up asking me to step into this role about two years ago. So then that's how you kind of found them once you moved here was just right that you were just riding like recreationally. Well, and and- it was actually le- a little bit less through that and more through um, we're also fans of going to Churchill Downs and, you know, horse racing in general. And so sure. when I started, I, I actually started wondering because <laughs> I-, I didn't know that much a-, a couple of years ago about well, what does happen to horses after they leave the racetrack, um, where do they go? You know, what, what's, what's their next step? And when I started looking into that, I realized like there is a whole industry within the horse racing world. Um, we call it aftercare and it's all about helping horses transition off the racetrack, learn the skills they need to have another career and, you know, really honestly finding homes for them. Because, you know, most of these horses, when they're done racing, there's real nowhere obvious place for them to go. And so organizations like Second Stride are there to kind of bridge that gap between their racing careers and then the rest of their life. Yeah. So that's a great transition to talking about the company. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is I didn't I wasn't aware of you guys until Christy and who, who helps me with some yeah. of my bookkeeping and other things yeah. with my business. I think she works with you guys also. Right. And so she kind of connected us and. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I have a niece that does hunter jumper riding. So okay. I kind of have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a connection to the horse industry, mm-hmm. but more of just a, you know, just kind of a fan from the outside, yeah. like most people. And, um, but it was pretty fascinating to start kind of learning exactly the things that you just talked about. So if you wouldn't mind, I mean, you just touched on a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Will you wind back and just tell me a little bit about the organization, the yeah. founder, just a little, even just sure. blow out that or expand on that yeah. a little bit more? Yeah, Absolutely. So Second Stride is actually a nonprofit. Um, We were started in 2005 by uh, Kim Smith, who is actually still our executive director. Um, And it really started from the idea that, you know, she and a group of her um, friends owned a racehorse. So they had their own syndicate. And when they realized their racehorse was was done racing, they looked around and kind of didn't know where it should go. There was no, there was nowhere for it to go at that time. And so they actually started Second Stride 
um, to try to p- kind of provide a place <laughs> for their racehorse to go, but then realized it, it was a, it was a, there was a much bigger need within the industry. Um, and like I said, we're, we are um, part of the horse racing industry. We're a specific segment that called aftercare. Um, there are, you know, there are over a hundred aftercare organizations around the country. Um, 81 of us are accredited through a group called the Thoroughbred, um, I'm sorry, (laughs) Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, TAA. And like I said, there are TAA accredited organizations all over the country. Um, and they partner closely with racetracks. Um, to get funding that helps support what we do. So they are a big you know, part of helping support sure. our organization. Um, Were the bulk of those organizations around prior to the second strike being found in 05? Or is that sort of like, yeah, you know, that's does a, that all come I, up actually, together? It's a really good question. I, I think we've largely come up together. I was wondering okay. that. Um, and I've tried to do a little looking into that when I was looking up, well, how many other TAA accredited organizations are there? Um, some of them were around prior to second stride, but second stride is is now getting to be one of the older ones, but you're right though. It's really only been a bit in the past 15 to 20 years that the whole industry, the whole racing industry has kind of really begun to recognize more of the need for this type of organization. Um, and so we're, we serve, you know, we serve not just, of course we serve the horses themselves. (laughs) That, that is our mission, Um, but you know, we view ourselves in service to the horse owners, so racehorse owners, to the trainers, and really to the whole team of people that it takes um to put a racehorse out there on the track. You know, it's a it's a huge undertaking. And we want to be a support to, you know, that that whole team of people. So tell me this. So I, I probably make the same mistake when I think of you guys as thinking, okay. Every like the horses I see running in the Kentucky Derby and the big races are, mm-hmm. you know, that's who you guys are. And I'm sure that on some level you do. But like, tell me a little bit more of like it probably, I assume, transcends a lot more racing that isn't as high profile. Right. Correct. Yeah, that is that is very true. Um, I will say we've had a couple of Derby runners come through second stride over the years. Um and in fact, one one just um, came to us this spring and he actually just got adopted out. He ran in the um, 2018 Derby. But um, but you're right. More more often than not, it's horses running in, you know, lower level races um, and at tracks, you know, all over the country. Many of them a lot smaller than Churchill Downs. Um, so, you know, we will take and, and we view it as, you know, again, our mission is to take any horse that needs our help, regardless of how successful or unsuccessful they were on the track. Um, if, if we can successfully take them in and retrain them, give them some other skills um, so that they can do things other than just, you know, run really fast, <laughs> which is what they were right. trying to do. Um, that's our goal. And then, you know, we find an adoptive home for them. And we have adopters from all over the country. Um, in fact, since our founding, we have adopted horses into every state except Hawaii. <laughs> really? Um, last year alone, we adopt, just to give you a sense for our kind of scale we had 125 horses come through our program last year, and they went to adopters in 20 different states. So, wow, well, we are very Kentucky focused, of course. And, and, and so, how did how did COVID affect you guys? And, and I mean, it sounds, I mean, maybe not as yeah. much as I was thinking because of the fact yeah. that it's outdoor training. I don't know how did no, that. I think you're 100 percent right. Actually, I feel like we have actually been lucky, very, very lucky, to be in 
an industry that, as you said, is, is kind of largely outdoors. <laughs> um, and so it has, it was a lot. And it's a person and the horse a lot of times, right? So it's not like it requires a ton of people. Tell right. me, um, what was Kim Smith's background prior to this? I mean, I know you said she owned a horse, yeah. but like. Yeah, no, no, that it's a really good question. She has a fascinating background. Um, so she is, she actually um, is a trainer herself. Although she never really, she went through and she got the license to be a trainer and she will tell you she never um, kind of was officially took horses into training. Um, she's a horsewoman through and through, you know, she grew up riding. Um, she is, in addition to being a trainer and what she still actively does is she is a, a bloodstock agent. So she um, finds horses for clients. She has clients all over the world <laughs> and she'll wow. work with them to find horses. You know, they're all of course looking for the next Derby winner. Sure. Um, and she still does um, currently in addition to running second stride, she has her own um, boarding property where, you know, horses can come and board. She does breeding. I mean, she is very actively wow. involved in kind of almost all as- aspects of the thoroughbred world you gotta you gotta give me a layman's like explanation of a bloodstock agent because like i, I feel <laughs> right. like maybe i kind of understand that but like you know, yeah no it's a good question walk me um, through that a little bit right so so truly um so she will um work with people who want to buy a horse <laughs> um, a racehorse and um she'll you know she'll go to sales she'll talk to breeders she will try to seek out you know, the baby horses that before they go into training. I mean, so is that like mapping like hereditary her, her heredity yeah. for lack of a way to say right, it or no, like bloodlines I mean, essentially? Like, right. You know, that that's a big component of it. And I will tell you, I am okay. not at all. Yeah, no, it's, I'm just, <laughs> it's just interesting. No, it is. It's fascinating, but I think you're right. I think a lot of it is absolutely about the breeding for sure. The pedigree yeah. of the horse. And that's what people are taking a bet on. So when they buy a baby and it's very unclear still, sure what the potential is, but they can make a pretty educated bet based on the pedigree. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how, you, whatever you're comfortable with. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. how are you guys funded? Um, and, and then the, I yeah. guess kind of piggybacking on that is, you know, it, from conversations we've had in the past and even this, it seems like you guys have been, you're definitely not like on the front. It seems like you've been really welcomed in by the entire, like the, what I would call like sort of the industry proper and like probably a yeah. lot of horse farms and names that a lot of us would know in horse racing. So yeah. it sounds like you've got a lot of support. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, th- I think that's right. And and again, I credit, I credit Kim and the original group of women who started second stride with the fact that I think we are um, very much a part of the horse racing industry. Um, mm. I think they increasingly, you know, recognize the need, not just for second stride, but frankly, for other aftercare organizations as well. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we do have a lot of connections with trainers, with breeding farms, um, you know, certainly again within Kentucky, but then more nationally as well. Um, to your question about, um, funding, you know, I mentioned the thoroughbred aftercare alliance earlier, that organization is a big part of our funding. And so we are very grateful for them. Um, there's another group called the Thoroughbred Charities of America, TCA. And we, um, again, get grants through them every year. And we're very grateful to them for supporting our work. Um, you know, beyond that. And then that, real quick, not just, are they supported by, you know, bigger organizations like the tracks, the corporate correct. folks that are in the the gaming correct. part of the industry yeah. and things like that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's where they get, that is a big chunk of where they get their funding. So it, it is, it is really the industry working together, um, in that sense. Um, 
so yeah, and you know, beyond those two organizations, sort of national aftercare organizations, um, we get funding through individual foundations, some local ones, some more broadly, which again we appreciate <laughs> very much. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And then, and then just donors, so individuals who recognize what we do, and we're so grateful to them for, you know, their generosity. Sure. Yeah. So it ends up being that, you know, you have a portion of your budget that you're trying to make up through, which we'll get to in a second, which Mm -hmm. is probably some of the areas where we're helping with some of the appeals to individuals and then local entities and things like that. Really quick. How many just I I should ask this up front, but how many employees does Second Stride have and then volunteers? Just give me a sense of like the size of kind of the scope of the organization. Yes. Yes. We are very small (laughs) as a a group. Um, There are a couple of employees. There are um, at any given time, six or eight kind of very long-term um, contract staff that do work with us. And when I say long-term, I mean, some of them have worked with Second Stride for a decade or more. Yep. Um, so it's a, probably about a dozen of us that are yeah. we would consider working for Second Stride. Um, and that includes, well, actually, that does not include, there are a number of other folks um, that we contract with, like exercise riders, who, you know, some of whom ride at Churchill Downs in the morning, for example, and then they'll come to Second Stride in the afternoon and ride okay. our horses, all as part of the effort to retrain these horses. Sure. Um, yeah. And volunteers, like how many volunteers do you have? Or would yeah. that include that? Yeah, no, that did not include the volunteers. Oh, gosh. Um, so, I mean, you guys run it very lean, obviously. I mean, you, you run it very lean and you yeah. got a lot of help from people we, who just really yeah. buy into the cause. Yeah. Yes. We've got uh, right now, I would say about a dozen like active volunteers working with us. But, you know, again, that kind of fluctuates. Yeah. But, you know, um, but yeah, it is very lean. Our goal is to keep as much of every dollar as we can <laughs> going to the horse. Sure. Um, and for anyone who's been involved in horses, we know we all know it's incredibly expensive. <laughs> so yeah. It a lot. <laughs> I remember. um my my niece, who I said ride, rides, and, mm-hmm. and we would we would go out every now and then when she would be practice riding or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember talking to my wife when I was out there. I was like, man, I like, there's just a lot to this that you don't realize. Like right. not, and I, that was my next question was facility. I mean, so you got to have a place yeah. to put these horses and train them. So, do you guys have your own facility? Do you have like yeah. a how how do you handle the facilities part? Yeah, good question. So we are based in Prospect, actually. We have um, two facilities. The main one is the main retraining facilities in Prospect. Um, and, uh, you know, we have at any given time, we have about 20 horses in our program there. Um, again, that varies, but at any given time, that's about the number we have there. And then as well, we have a second. And when they're in your program, are they with you? They're with you full time? Yeah. Like you guys are? We, we take ownership of the horse. So they, yeah. they we become their owner until they move to their adopter. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then our second facility. What? How long does that process take usually? Uh, you know, on average, very average length of stay for a horse with us is 45 days. Now that varies wildly. You know, some horses, if they come in sound and we think they're ready to go, they may get adopted within, a, you know, a week or two. Um, other horses, especially obviously those coming to us injured that need rehab time can be with us for seven, eight, nine months. And that's wow. actually um, a lot of the rehab work is done at our second facility, which is out in Henry County. And it's a nice, quiet place where, you know, the injured horse can take the time they need to heal whatever it is that needs to be healed before they're ready to to go into training for something else and to be adopted. 
So is it, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question. So like when you take ownership of a horse, I mean, are you effectively, I mean, is it like buying the horse in, in, in essentially, but I mean, it's probably nothing that transacts, right? It's like whoever owns the horse basically passes ownership Correct. over to you guys. Then you're responsible Correct. for all the things that that horse needs while you yes. have, while it's in your care. And then exactly. you're then looking, which I want to understand a little bit about, okay, then I get the whole, you know, sort of like they were racing, Mm-hmm. And then this is an opportunity to retrain them or, mm-hmm. you know, rehab them, retrain them. Mm-hmm. And then how do you go about finding and, and how do you even decide and determine what they're being retrained for and yeah. then placing them? Yeah. I mean, these are all really good questions um, because it is very, it is very, you know, individual to each horse. Um, and that's where I, I think second stride is, I think one of our strengths, honestly, is we do spend the time to really try to assess each individual horse's kind of temperament, their skill set, what we think their future capabilities really are, and um, start to get them start, you know, get them started in the discipline that we think might be the best fit for them. Um, and, and our adopters are wonderful. The vast majority of them come in very open to trying to still figure out what is that right fit for, for their horse. Um mm-hmm. And we appreciate that. So, you know, we're not trying to kind of narrowly fit these horses all into sure. the jumper world or dressage or, you know, whatever it might be. It's really about figuring out like, okay, what is this horse like? What can they do? What's going to make yeah. them happy? <laughs> um, and that can take, that can take a little bit of time. Um, we are, we feel grateful that we always have kind of a waiting list of adopters. And so folks come to us, they fill out an application, an adoption application. We vet them, obviously. Um, we talk, you know, we talk to references for them and, and kind of do all of that background work so that, that they are in our pool of adopters. And then when a horse comes in that we think could be a good fit for them, you know, we try to kind of align best fit. Um so you mentioned so, hunter jumper and you said dressage, which I, I only said that right because you said it. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I wouldn't have known what that is until yesterday. Believe it or not, we had a meeting in Lexington and we were driving back and, and Alex, who joined us about two months ago. So that's like the sort of fancy trotting, right. you know, it's probably yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure, Horses dressed right. up, riders yeah, dressed up. Yeah. That's so I literally, right. Right. I literally would have known nothing about that until yeah. yesterday. Alex said that someone in his family, I think does that. And, uh, yeah. But yeah. so that would that was going to be my last question before we kind of move into the brand building part yeah. of this. But is yeah, you know, so you mentioned hunter jumper. So these are some of the specific sort of things that they do post yeah. your program. And right. what are some of the other things? Some of the disciplines. So yeah, I mean, and again, yeah. I, to, this was all kind of eye opening for me as of a couple of years ago. To learn. I mean, could it be like recreational riding? A hundred percent. Like yes, like trail riding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, some of our horses, yeah, that it turns out they like to just, <laughs> they want to just, you know, kind of walk and have someone trail yeah. ride them in a very low key environment. And that's the best thing for them. And they enjoy that. Um, so I mean, they're like us. You run really like, fast for a while and then you're like, you know what? I just want to, I just want to retire to a farm, walk around a little bit and hang out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what we do feel strongly about, and I think this is generally true, is that we want our horses when they go to their adoptive home. We want them to have a job. So because we really believe not just horses, but any kind of living creature (laughs) generally does best when they feel like they have Have a purpose. purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we rarely have a horse that's just going to kind of sit out on a pasture and just people look at it in passing. Really, most of our horses are kind of actively and, and it might just be being a family horse that's just, you know, trail ridden or, you know, 
off, some of our horses recently have gone into therapy work um, and have been amazing wow. with that. So, you know, it can be any number of things, but we want them to have a job. There's an organization out off Shelbyville Road that does that, isn't there? Like a horse therapy type green. They're probably, yeah, yeah, green probably something. Like oh, yeah, I know what you're. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it just I was, it just made me think of it. I know a guy yeah. who used to run that place. Um, OK, okay. so. This is this is really good. So I, what I want to do now, just want to spend the rest of our time look, just talking about, OK, so now that we kind of understand, you know, the organization mm-hmm. and and in this case, because it's a nonprofit, I mean, the words change. But at the end of the day, it's sort of, you know, you don't call them customers, you call them donors or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I always say nonprofit for profit doesn't matter. The organization has to have more income than expenses to continue to exist. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, mm-hmm. call that revenue, call it donations, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. I asked the question, and I think I sent this to you ahead of time. This trips people up, so I don't want it to to do that. But you know how, and you kind of talked about this. How would you define the brand or unique value of Second Strike? Now it sounds. I feel like maybe you touched on that a lot, which is you guys. One of your strengths, as you said, it is sort of assessing the horse and doing a really good job of kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, for lack of a better way to describe it, getting to know the horse personally, so that you're helping to mm-hmm. to place it properly after mm-hmm. the program. Is there anything you want to add to that as to how you would define the Second Strike brand? Yeah, I, you know, I appreciate you asking the question. I view the Second Stride brand even at a, a higher level than that. To me, our brand is about trust. It's about integrity. It's about commitment. And it's about care. You know, we view our role as um, really trying to be a trusted partner to the horse racing industry so a partner to the owners, a partner to the trainers, on the back end, a partner to our adopters. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, trust is at the heart of that. And I think, you know, again, thanks to Kim Smith and her team over the years, we've been able to, to build that reputation. Um, and so people are very willing to send their horses to us, but also to adopt our horses. They want our horses because they know they're getting a good horse. Yeah. From my perspective, it's almost like it's like this sort of just care for the horse, regardless of what the horse does. It's sort of like this intrinsic care. Hey, this this horse is a is a living being. It has intrinsic value and we care about it. And yeah, it had a season of its life, maybe where it was doing this thing. But Mm -hmm. it's not just that it's it needs to be Mm -hmm. cared for holistically and for, you know, all of its all of its life. And uh, how do we make sure that we're doing that and supporting supporting that? So that's you know, that's that's really cool. Um, Tell me some of the challenges that you guys face in terms of, you know, I say it as on the question, like expanding your business, which again, terminology doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. apply, but -hmm. tell me some of the challenges as you're working as the development manager, you know, I mean, and especially in the world we live, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, not necessarily related to fundraising, but it was like, he he brought this idea to me with this, uh, it's about a journal and he was like trying to do sort of that monthly thing and like, well, you know, 999 a month or whatever. And it's like, you know, three, five years ago, People might be willing to fly on five ninety nine a month or nine, but the world we live in today, people are going. Yeah, it's only four ninety nine. It's only five ninety nine. It's only nine ninety nine a month. But they're doing that twenty other times, and so you know, very little bits of money have become protected by people because they're just this recurring revenue model has been so pushed out there. And um, so anyway, yeah. So the point is, just curious. Tell me about how what the challenges you're facing are. Yeah. Again, I think a good question. I think you know. We have spent as an organization a lot of time this past year um, talking about the fact that one of our biggest challenges is 
education. <laughs> so as much as the horse racing industry really has, you know, embraced the aftercare world and we feel supported, um, we also feel like there are still quite a few, you know, horse racing owners and even some trainers who, when it is time for their horse to retire for whatever reason, um, they don't know where to send it. They don't feel like they have good options. They don't feel they, they are maybe not educated enough about how to make good choices. Um, and so part of what we are trying to do more actively this year is kind of better, kind of better educate people about the fact that we exist and what we can yeah. do for them. And not just, not just second stride, but just that other like aftercare organizations are there to serve them. And so I think education and just really awareness building is something we're yeah. always working on. And so that to me, when I hear that, it's almost like um, the people who own the horses, but it's funny, as you were saying that I was thinking about myself you know, right. because there's another component to it where it's like, you know, I had no idea about you guys. I'm not necessarily a huge horse person, but I, I, you know, I'm like, I would say I'd be a potential donor on some level just because I think I buy into like, yeah, I mean, I never even thought about that as something that mm -hmm. people need to be concerned about. And if I'm a, if I'm a fan of horse racing or horses in general, or I'm living in Kentucky and horse country right. or whatever, you almost have this <laughs> sense of like, I should sort of be investing in the greater good as it relates to horses on some level, you right. know, and be supportive of no, it. I, and, <laughs> I appreciate hearing that, but it is interesting. You, you make a good point. I mean, yes, the thoroughbred industry is a big economic engine for the state of Kentucky. It really is. Yeah. I mean, we all think about the Derby and we know how big a revenue generator that is for the city, but the, the thoroughbred industry in general is really important to the state. I, I almost think of it like the bourbon industry, sure. you know, that's grown so much. Yeah. And obviously the thoroughbred industry has been around a lot longer in, in, in its way, but um, they're really important economic drivers and as well, obviously as, you know, yeah. cultural, <laughs> cultural icons as well. So when we talk about the things that we do, the clothing and, uh, you know, branded clothing mm -hmm. and promotional items, uh, you know, over the years, there's been a tendency for people to associate us with, you know, online retailers and things like that. And um, we've been really working really hard to try to explain, you know, what is it that we do and how do we try to do it in a way that helps people to understand and know that it's different than the way everybody else does it. And so on this, and I, I know I sent you the, the questions, but it says, you know, we've really come down to understanding that people use our products in four, I hear the mower. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Um, but so people use it in their space. So when we say that, it's just like your office, uh, offices mm -hmm. or facilities, things they give mm -hmm. to employees, things to give to customers and at events. Now, I know that you guys have, you know, office an office, but I know it's also just a mission critical sort of administrative location where you do. And then most of your stuff is, is done out at the facilities you described for the horses. So I don't think that you're doing a ton that's sort of brand the office because it's not like people are coming there a lot or am I wrong about that? You're a hundred percent right. <laughs> so then like, I'm curious in that along those lines, I mean, you got a lot of people who support you. So then tell me a little bit about how the, how the organization is structured. Like you've got a board and then like, like, do you have board meetings? And if so, do you do them? Like, where do you typically do those kind of things or? Yeah. 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 No, it, you're, you're right. You know, I described earlier our two actual horse facilities, which are farms. Um, and then we do have a very small office, but it is not one that we, you know, use actively. Yeah. Um, 
we do, you know, we, we have a board. So for example, you know, it, it actually at our office, one of the nice benefits, there is a conference room so we can use, you know, we can have yeah. our quarterly board meetings in that conference space, but, you know, to your larger question, um, you know, we, we, we don't spend, invest any time or resources in kind of branding our, our personal spaces. Right. I do think yep. where I think we could do a better job with some branding is actually on our horse, on the, on the farms themselves. Um, because I do, yeah. I do think sometimes when people are there, they might kind of forget like, oh, right, this is second stride. This is, you know, yeah. what, what something that just popped in my mind that I think would be pretty cool to consider with those feather flags that you see out there all over the place would be an yeah. interesting thing to consider because yeah. they can be temporarily put up and taken down. So like when you guys are training, it'd be cool just to like stick some out there and I'd be like, what's second stride? Right. You know, if nothing else, people would ask the question. I like that um, but yeah, and I mean, and it goes back to you guys run very lean, mm-hmm. which is you know, very common in a nonprofit, people trying to be very responsible. Mm -hmm. So it's like, look, we're not, we're not spending on, you know, unnecessary Mm -hmm. things. And it's not that it's not necessary, but it's on some level, maybe it's not. And, and because the employee counts those, there's probably not a ton being done for the employees. Mm -hmm. Now we get into talking about basically the events and the donors. And, and so I know that we put together an online store for you, um, kind of targeted at donors and supporters, Mm -hmm. essentially, um, and then I know we also did like a package of things and did, you did an event. So just now mm-hmm. that we're kind of into the, like the wheelhouse mm-hmm. of where you tend to use our mm-hmm. stuff, um, just talk about that. And like I, what I'd be curious to know is like kind of before working with us, how you mm-hmm. did that and then how we're doing it now. Mm-hmm. And maybe and we'll start to move towards like what we do well and what we mm-hmm. haven't done well. But, yeah, just tell me a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, um, we have so appreciated our partnership with Goodson um, because we do feel like you are um, – so focused on two things. One, just service and understanding who we are as an organization and taking the time. You know, this is a good example of that, but taking the time to really understand what we do, because then then you'll have a better understanding of what we need. Um, right. And I think the second thing we appreciate about Goodson, just is your, your, your commitment to sourcing really high quality merchandise. Um, and, and I bring those two things up because... Um, you know, I think part of what we are always trying to provide to our supporter base. So those may be those may be donors, those may be adopters, those may be you know the, the trainers that that work with us. Um, we're always trying to provide um, clothing and merchandise that fits into kind of their equestrian lifestyle, <laughs> um, which is obviously yep. outdoorsy. It, it yep. has to be all weather, right? It has to kind of be stuff they're actually yeah. going to want to wear and that's going to work for them. And that's where we felt yep. so um, supported by you all because you did such a good, great job for us over the past year finding jackets that would work well for this group, you know, finding lightweight, you know, long sleeve t-shirts that we were like, okay, yeah, that's something people are really going to want to wear. Um, and so right. we, we appreciated that because it, you know, that's what we're always trying to provide to our supporters are, you know, items that we think they will not only be proud to wear as second stride supporters, but things that, you know, are going to work well for them. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Tell me about the event. I know we mm-hmm. did like the the package that you gave away at the mm-hmm. event and that was kind of like an online, I think you guys kind of did like an yeah. online auction. Tell me a little bit about that. And then just in general, like how you guys approach events throughout the year to support mm-hmm. the organization yeah. and where you use the stuff that we provide. Yeah, no, absolutely. So our, um, historically second stride has had kind of one really big event every year. It's our big fundraiser and it is our Kentucky Derby fundraiser. So we always do it in the week leading up to the Derby. Um, 
And it is really designed to be both a fundraiser, but also in the past, it's always been kind of a big party (laughs) for all the visiting horsemen. So we get trainers from all over the country, right? All the people that come into Louisville for the Derby um, are the people that we would have try to invite to that party. And again, it's a celebration of the Derby. It's also a fundraiser where we would have a silent auction. Um, You know, we would have other ways people could donate. So that's historically what we've done. You know, like every other nonprofit (laughs) over the past year and a half, we've had to kind of modify and pivot a little bit. Um, So this past year, what you're talking about this spring, we did a, a hybrid event. So we had a kind of an online portion where we had our silent auction online. And that's where we put your... um your package of, of merchandise, which we really appreciated you putting that together for us. Um, and that got, that got bit up right away. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. That's good. Um, we have a, we had a handicapping panel and we've historically always had that as part of it, where we bring some of the top handicappers together from the country to talk about, you know, how to place bets and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's, that is our big event. We are testing the waters um, as much as we can right now with some smaller events. So actually, in a couple of weeks, we're having a small donor event at the farm where we're just trying to pull pull folks together so we can share a little bit about what we've been up to, um, you know, this year, have some cocktails with the horses, um, you know, just have a chance to kind of catch up with people, obviously doing it outdoors, you know, that that's this is where we feel lucky that we are in the horse industry and we can yeah. still gather a little bit outside. Yeah. So that's kind of, those are the types of events we're focused on these days. Very good. Yeah. So um, it's, like I said, it's been really cool. I, I think probably the bit, the benefit that has accrued to me through doing this, you know, aside from obviously we appreciate the business um, is I think just getting to know the organization. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the thing I probably have loved over the years. Most about my job is that, this company and you know what I get to do is I get exposed to a lot of different types of organizations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a conversation with you and and work with an organization like Second Stride, and then I'll, you know, we'll hang up from here and I and I'll go and I'll work with a manufacturer that has mm-hmm. 400 employees, and it's just completely unrelated, completely different mm-hmm. industry. And and mm-hmm. I think that me as like I always describe myself as kind of a business nerd. I I think it just really scratches the itch that I've always had about just loving getting exposure to a lot of different types of companies and being fascinated mm-hmm. by how people start things, how they keep Mm -hmm. them running, how they fund them, how they grow them and and all those kind of things. It's sort of like, in some respects, it's almost like I'm just a constant learner. As I continue to try to grow my company, I've just made up my mind a long time ago that I can learn from anyone and everyone all the time that's running organizations about how they're doing it and how they're doing it well. Um, So this is very, very cool. Um, Tell me the last thing, um, just kind of going forward, like what's, what are some of your plans, sort of the, the vision uh, a little bit of like, you know, where do you guys go from here? What's growth look like? What does the future look like? And then the last thing, if you want to be thinking about is, you know, we always ask the question, you know, what have we done well? What have we not done well? And where can we improve? And I'll I'll reiterate that in a second. But yeah, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, your, 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 com- your question about growth, you know, as, as you say, whether you're a company or a nonprofit, like you're, you, everyone's always trying to grow. Yep. <laughs> and so in, in yep. our case, in our case, that means, how do we serve as many horses as possible and how do we continue to serve more every year? Like I said, we served 125 last year and that's been about average for us. Um, we have adopted out 93 horses so far this year. And so we're on track, yeah. you know, to hopefully place even more horses this year. But I think beyond the the actual number of horses, you know, I think as much as we can grow our, 
grow our brand in the industry. And, and that gets back to my earlier point about awareness and making sure people are know about us and our services and the fact that we will take horses, you know, from all over the country um, and actually often do yep. get horses from all over the country. Um, really quick. I don't want to know, but how does, how does second strike compare to some of those other 81? Like, are you, I mean, is that a fairly, are you middle of the pack, low, high, or yeah. are there places turning out a lot more horses? In or? terms of size, yeah. no, we actually serve, we're in the, I would say probably top 25%. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Numbers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly aftercare organizations bigger than us, but a lot of them, and and they do great work, but they might do 20 horses a year, 30 horses a year, something like that. Yeah, gotcha. So okay. we, ha- we have um, a pretty high volume, especially considering the size of our of our organization. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of horses with that staff. If you really start thinking about it, I mean, that's oh, yeah. moving. It's like yeah. every couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one is leaving. Yeah, and I'm sure there's not. I mean, I'm sure there's a fair amount of paperwork. I mean, it's a little bit like. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to take a horse and, you know, sort of make it paperwork, but there's a lot of paperwork even just for things like that, moving things around. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of that. There are a lot of vet checks. I mean, there's a lot that goes into every single horse. Um, So it is, it is, it's the the women who work at the barn, which is not what I do. I am in awe of them because they do tremendous work. Now, let me ask this question. This is a personal. Do you ever have opportunities for like, like if I wanted my daughters to be able to do something or help in some way, like could they come like work in the barns or whatever? Absolutely. We love to have volunteers come. Yeah. Follow up with me later about that. No, I love that. I, 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 you know, I did, this is totally unrelated and kind of out there, but I've done just under 30 hours of private flying lessons. And I had to kind of give it up for a little while for a handful of different reasons. And it's something that I really love, but there's this organization out there. And I don't know if you're familiar with it called flight club 502, I think is what it's called. And it's, it's focused on young people and getting them involved in flight, you know, just getting them familiar with planes. And I mean, they fly, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I don't know if this is just a harebrained idea, but I started thinking, you know, a defi- like some kind of program targeting kids and just getting them into barns around horses. That would be like something pretty cool. And, you know, people like me are always looking for ways to sort of get my kids out and like off the screen, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and for talk sure. to human beings and know how right. to do that. And yeah. Right. So no, I love that idea. And it's interesting. You make the comparison with flying because it is, it is not it's a that- lot. It's similar yeah. in that it, they're both. It's it's really one of those things that just like, you know, everybody knows it happens, but nobody, you know, everybody's aware, lawyers, doctors, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I did. I, I told my wife, I said, you know, it costs you about one hundred eighty nine bucks to do a discovery flight. And I said, my requirement for my girls is that all three of them will do a discovery. I don't care if they go into flying. I don't care. I don't care what they do with it, but they have to be exposed to it so that they can decide. They just have to decide because it's such an amazing thing. And to me. My, my, my oldest daughter rode for a little bit and probably because her cousin was doing it. And, um, I don't really have the money to do that. That's what I realized. (laughs) It costs a lot of money, but she loved being around the barns and just being around horses and you don't have to ride them to be in the industry. And I think that's, it's it's such an interesting comparison because just, Oh, there's careers in this, you know? So, yes, absolutely. The more we can expose people, the better. So send your girls out. (laughs) <laughs> we'd love to have them. All right. So last question is just tell me, you know, tell me a little bit about, we talked to actually, I won't make it cause you kind of complimented us, which I appreciate about mm-hmm. the service and you know, the quality products and things mm-hmm. like that. Is there anything that you think that we can do better to make sure that we're serving you guys better as you're going forward and the things that you're wanting to do? I, you know, I, I appreciate you asking the question. I, I you know, 
in pre- in preparing for this conversation, I was kind of racking my brain. This is good. It's all stage. What we want is to ask the question. They say nothing. You guys yeah, are right, perfect. Right. Yeah. No. And then we say goodbye and everything's great. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, I think I have already said it. You have served us so well. And I know we know we are a very small client of your, for you um, compared to a lot of the size of your clients. So we appreciate that you are, you know, so attentive to our needs and, and trying to make sure we're getting good quality, you know, merchandise yeah. out to our supporters. I would say the only thing that which you have pushed us to do, and I think more of it would be even better, is every time we do open our store, um, pushing us to have like one or two new items there mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been something we would thought to offer, have thought to offer. Yeah. Um, again, you you've pushed on that before, but yeah. I think you know, the more you can say, Hey, why don't you try this? Or why don't you test this thing out? Which we would never have thought of. It's really helpful. Yeah. The one quick comment on the, it's funny. I've had that. I've had people say that to me and I wonder that, you know, it's funny. There's always this part of me that wonders like what size client am I for, you know, these guys. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of this, I, you know, I had a guy tell me I'm from Springfield, Ohio. And and he told me one time, he said, Landon, he's like, one of the things I always appreciated about you is that you took care of, you know, he's like, you took care of me like I was one of your biggest clients and I always knew that you weren't. And I said, you know what? I never have thought about it that way. And I know it sounds like such a line, but, mm-hmm. and maybe if I'm being honest, maybe it was just sort of like self-preservation, meaning I wasn't able, my mind is very simple in terms of like, when I had a to-do list, I just went after the to-do list and it didn't, I never once thought, well, this moves to the top of the list because they're a big client or not. Mm-hmm. It was always just mm-hmm. like, if I've committed, and maybe this is some of my faith base. It probably is, honestly, now that I think about it. It's just like I look at it like if somebody's come across my desk to serve, I'm going to serve them the way that I, you know, with everything I got. And and I realize that some are going to be bigger and some are going to be smaller, but it doesn't matter because if I do it in a way that I can look myself in a mirror and feel like we, and that's what I try to teach our people too. It's like, look, mm-hmm. you're going to, I mean, you're going to have days where I, I joked with the guy the other said, Mama said there'd be days like this, there'd be days like this, <laughs> Mama said, you know, so. There's going to be days where you work really hard on something and don't get much out of it. And there's going to be days where you don't work very hard on something and you get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the more that people can get to that understanding and stop sort of governing effort in relation to what they think return is, I just mm-hmm. think that it, it would just go a lot better for a lot of people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're very wise. <laughs> so, well, hey, I we're up, up against time. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you doing this very much. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Amy Irick, Development Manager with Second Stride. The website is secondstride.org. Um, please check it out. A lot of good information there. And I think as she's indicated, if you're connected to the horse industry or you know anyone who's looking for aftercare for a horse or you just want to learn more about them or you got kids you want to send out to the farm and help them work uh, and do a lot of the things that they're trying to do, I think they're doing amazing work and we're honored to have them as a, as a client. And thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you.